Welcome back to the Role Player Podcast presented by Swiss Cultures, featured on Eurohoops.net, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you can get your podcast. One thing, make sure you go ahead and hit that Swiss Cultures like button and, and follow along for us and subscribe for all the dope content they got putting out there. So I am Jordan Taylor. I'm back again with my co-host, CEO, co-founder, Swiss Cultures, 11-year overseas vet. Former former eleven year overseas vet and Stanford gentleman. You got the one and only Anthony Goods. What's happening with you? Man, chilling, man. Just waiting for November eleventh. You know what I mean? We got we got batters on the plate. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm probably gonna be. I, I don't know. We ain't settled on an amount, but I might be a little richer. You know what I mean? By the end of the night. So you know, I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. Stanford, Wisconsin, man. Hey, I put. Hey, look, I'll put, I'll put the year's salary on that. Y'all boo-boo. You know what I'm saying? I'll put, I'll put, I'll put, I'll put the whole year's salary on that. What's happening? All right. I ain't even got no – I ain't got that much faith. I, I got dinner on it, though. I got dinner on it, though. I know. Shit, I know I know you got everything in the works, man. I need to get – put me in on one of your projects. That's all I need. Give me a, give me a credited t- credit title or a producer title or something like that. That's what I need, man. So hairline looking all right. I got my hat on today, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a little rough over here right now. I'm in the process of finding me a barber. But we're going to get to it, man. We're going to get to it. All right. But look, man, we got a good guest for everybody today, man. Uh, we got someone I got to, I got to play against, uh, someone I got to follow the career relatively closely. Uh, you know, he's a, a two th- he's an NBA champ in 2017. He is the NBL champ most recently, 2020, AP All-American in 2013, Ohio Valley Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, first team, All-Ohio Valley, obviously, two-time All-Atlantic Sun. We can go on and on. And, of course, the MVP of the 2013 Summer League. We got the one and only Mr. Ian Clark. Ian, appreciate you pulling up, man. Man, appreciate y'all guys for having me, man. No doubt, no doubt. I'm looking forward to looking forward to getting some perspective for you, and we're gonna jump right in, man. You had a hell of a journey, but we're gonna start right there with the with the summer league MVP in 2013. For those that don't know, uh, summer league is a crapshoot, man. It's it's a it's a difficult environment to play in. It's not easy. Uh, you were undrafted. That makes it even dip, more difficult. You had guys like Draymond Green on your team. Uh, Craig Smith, who was uh, had six, seven years of service, so you might have not been the number one option. So, just walk us through uh, your mindset going into a situation like that and being able to play at such a high level. Man, uh, shoot, it, it started in you know that that year I played two summer leagues. So I started in Miami, down in Orlando, and uh, you know it was kind of I remember you know the night of the draft, and obviously you want to everybody want to hear their name called, but. You know, I had I had a, a reality check, you know, to myself and to, um, you know, my family. Like, hey, like, you know, I, I might not get drafted, but I'm make it to the NBA at some point. And being able to have an opportunity to play with Miami in summer league in Orlando really helped me. I think get um, get a little acclimated to what I was to what was about to come. Obviously, uh, my first few games in in Miami, um, you know, I didn't I didn't play a lot. And then it's crazy because we ended up playing Utah was looking in hindsight that's the team I actually signed with after summer league. We played them our first game. And in the second half, I had like 15 off the bench. And from then on, I ended up starting in Miami. And, uh, but I made the commitment to, they was Miami that year was the only team that uh, played both my, uh, Miami and Vegas. And you know, they wanted me to stay with them, but I made a commitment to play with Golden State. And like you said, man, it was, it was, it was tough from, 
obviously from the beginning from Miami, but now I'm moving to another team within summer league and I'm the new guy. You know, everybody, they've been practicing, and, you know, they had a they training camp and they two a day, so kind of getting thrown in the fire, man, um, and just trying to find a way. Uh, like I said, Kent Bazemore, Draymond Green, Scott Machado, Kevin Murphy, one of my guys, man, they, they can, they, those guys can put the ball in the basket, they can score. And so uh, just trying to find my way. Um, I end up shooting the ball really well and, and end up, you know, playing a lot of minutes with their team. And like I said, I for me, it was just, man, swing for the fences. I can't I'm, I'm playing with house money if I end up something happening from this then it's, it's great for me obviously but nobody really expected an undrafted guy from Belmont to to have that opportunity and so I just want to take advantage of it man and it's and it worked out for me so all right I, I think I think it's important especially you know for for young players entering into summer league that let's just say your only shot at making it to the league is being a scorer um what was what was your mentality before, let's say, like the first game? Like, was it like, you know what, I'm about to, I'm getting it up, you know what I mean? Especially heading into the next, to, to, to a new situation. It's just like, because I always say, man, you got to give yourself a chance to be successful. Like, you know what I mean? You better man. off, <laughs> you better off going <laughs> 0, for, 0 for 12 than like, you know what I mean, 1 for 2. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, man, my mindset transferred transferring to Golden State is crazy because we end up, I end up coming late. I can't remember exactly what happened. Um, I don't know if my flight got in late or they had an early game or something like that, but I remember coming into the game and I did, I played, I didn't only played the fourth quarter because I don't think I had any practice time with them. And I, and the game was close. I ended up coming down and making two clutch free throws to help us win the game. And that was my first game. So I didn't get a lot of, of, time to really think of what I needed to do. Obviously, man, everybody, not coming out of college, all of us were scores. Like, just keep it a, keep it a book. So, you know, what what else can I do to to help the team? And my mindset was obviously don't show what you can do, show what got you here, which is, you know, shooting the ball. But at the same time, uh, man, try to do something defensively, do something different. Like, I, being able to take pride in, in guarding your man or he's guarding your yard, uh, man, plays dividends in the league. And everybody, like, I'm sure you guys know that. So, Man, my mindset was just, man, play hard, and whatever else was, was going to happen was going to happen anyway. That's how I kind of looked at it, man, and kind of took the pressure off myself of not having to make a play every single time or do something spectacular. It was more so, man, just play the right way, play the right way of basketball, and I learned that, obviously, four years at Belmont. So. Was there was there ever a time throughout the, the summer league process where you were like, all right, you got your plan or your mentality where – your plan kind of wavered or I guess your confidence maybe might have wavered during the summer league? And if so, how did you get back to like the, you know, this this what I'm here to do? I You know, how did, I'm sticking to what, you know, what I set out to do. Um, man, it wavered a few times because, well, I had a, a couple games where I just didn't play well. And for me, myself, like, you know, it's a short opportunity for undrafted guys coming from a mid-major. Like, you you don't have time to have lapses or, you know, saying like two or three, one or two bad games. They could definitely be the end. For so um, the game before, actually, the, the game before the championship game, I think we played the Lakers. Shout out to Lester Hudson. He was from Memphis, a Memphis product, man. He actually played against me that game. So it's one of my first times really playing against him competitively. But um, I played that game and I had a terrible game. Like didn't, didn't shoot it well. I felt myself forcing. And, you know, we, but we ended up winning. 
and we played the championship game. We played Phoenix in the championship. And I remember telling myself, like, you can't shoot that bad again. Like, that was my, you know, I wasn't, I was scared, nervous, not scared. I was more nervous of, all right, man, look, this is a championship. This is, this is a stage you could, you could make a name for yourself. Or you could just be another guy that's an undrafted guy that played well, and now you got to figure it out after this. So, uh, man, I told my, I went out early. I remember going out early in warm-ups and just, man, getting a lot of shots up and just telling myself, man, like, you're going you gonna to kill this game. You're going to kill this game. And, man, end up having, like, seven trades, had, like, 33, man. And shout-out to uh, to Coach Aaron. You know, he just the coach gave me the confidence. They were just like, man, shoot it. Ken Baysmore, let it fly. Like, that was kind of our motto throughout that whole game and, and that whole run, man. And it, it was fun, honestly. And like I said, I, I was in, I was able to bounce back from that game. So that's kind of one of the times that it wavered. But other than that, man, I was really just soaking up all the, the – everything that I was going through. I was in Vegas. I was – going around all these NBA guys, I got a chance to play in the NBA. I got a chance to prove myself, too, against a lot of the guys that they said was better than me. And that's one thing that I took pride over, for sure. Man, one, one thing you said, you said you said scared first. And I feel like, like as Hoopers, we always are like, nah, I'm not scared, I'm not scared. Fact. But I feel like most of us really do be afraid. Like, everybody afraid of failure and all that, right? And I remember... Kobe used to talk about, or Kobe talked about, like, leaning into those emotions and feelings. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? So, for both of y'all, like, what's what's a more effective way? Is it important to lean into those feelings and just accept you have them? Or is it more important just to keep feeding yourself positivity, positivity? Like you said, you were saying, I'm going to kill this game. I'm going to kill this game. Like, or is man, it both? It's, I think it's a little bit of both, man. You got to have that, that false sense of confidence. I think everybody has it as a hooper. Um... But at the same time, you got to be real with yourself. And it's crazy that you brought that up, man, because that's something over the last, like, few years, watching watching Kobe talk about that in one of the uh, interviews I saw, it was like, I wish I would have known that back then. You know what I mean? Like, I was, I was it was so, I'm keeping them balling it up. I'm, I'm not going to tell nobody I'm scared, but I'm feeling like this, rather than accepting it. All right, you scared? Why you scared? Tell yourself, ask yourself why you scared. And then from there, you can analyze it and break it down. And I was like, okay, well, should I really ain't scared of nothing, nigga. If I'm scared because I don't think I'm ready, well, let's prepare. Let me prepare myself. Let me go out and shoot extra before and after practice, so I can get the the fear, you know, saying out of me. So that's kind of how I looked at it. Yeah, I think a lot of times too, man. It, it's just it just comes down to your thoughts that your thoughts about things that haven't even happened yet. Like you know, what I mean, we we scared. Like all right, I might go out here and go zero for eight, but you zero for zero. You know what I'm saying? And I think that. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, you know, we play like a lot of mind games with, you know, with ourselves heading into games. But, you know, I always anytime I was in that situation, I used to always ask myself, how do you want to feel at the end of this game? Do you want to go to the end of this game and feel like, oh, I ain't do enough because I was like hesitant or whatever it is? Or do I want to go to go out, go out to the end of this game and be like, OK, whether I shoot. 10 for 12 or 2 for 12, like, I gave myself a chance, you know what I mean? So I used Thanks. to I used to use the thought of, like, okay, how do I want to feel when it's all said and done? What would I rather feel? And then that would – I would let that kind of dictate my aggression. Let's go. See, 
See, I could I couldn't do that. I couldn't do the whole <laughs> how I want to feel at the end of the game because if I tell myself like if I shoot two for twelve, I'm st- I'm gonna be hot. So I'm gonna be like, damn, like, yeah, I shot twelve. I'm be, I'm, I'm gonna be fucking hot. So Man, I always had to. No, I always yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I'm going off. I feel you the same thing. Kind of looking, man. Most recently, going back to you know playing in Australia, championship game, and I was like zero for five the first the first half, the first half. Like, and I'm I sat down and the it's crazy because I use that mentality. You know, like, how do you want to think going back in the second half? You going back second half mad because you went over five, or second half like this is a clean slate and you still got a chance to win the game and end up like four for five or five in the second half and you know what I'm saying it turned the whole game changed for me personally. Like, because I was looking at it like, damn man, like I'm having a shitty game and now you know what I'm saying you can flip the script on yourself. So kind of like what Ant said, man, it's like. I'm I'm over over five, but like if I don't shoot, I'm just still gonna be over five. So I'm still gonna feel the same. So how can I feel like find a way to feel different? And I think this is just man, just it's the process of just keep going for real. Yeah, man. That's hey, and Jake, that's kind of like what we was talking about off air earlier. It's like I don't know, maybe I just got an aggressive personality, man, but I'm a volume shooter in every aspect of life. I don't care if it's my I don't care if it's my single life. I don't care if it's business. I don't care if it's basketball. Like I just rather I, I can't I just rather not go to sleep. And I've had I've had games. I had days where I went to sleep, like, man, I played it too safe or I played it safe. Like, you know what I'm saying? And that made me lose sleep more than like a bad day because I know there's going to be there's yeah. going to be days where you know what I mean you do everything right you still going to miss everything you know what I mean and vice versa yeah, like facts. so I just I, I just think that you know life just works out better when you're when you're aggressive you know what I mean and everything yeah it's like you can live with yourself after, if you're aggressive you know what I mean like I can I can go, like you said you can go to sleep at night knowing that all right they just won't fall in the day but these are shots that I took that I know I can get through that I normally make all the time so Man, that's 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 the mindset to have. I feel like. Yeah, no, it's definitely definitely fortune favors the bold. It definitely do. But I mean, I think uh, playing it safe too. I think that you you kind of realize the older you get, you know, like you said, you both here. We all thirty plus now. You kind of realize these opportunities, like you said, you know, as an undrafted guy, these opportunities are fleeting. You know, especially as a hooper, but in life, there you think you got multiple opportunities. And you think that they just gonna keep coming and come, especially as a young man, you know what I'm saying? We all think we invincible, whatever it is. But like even a even a summer league, it's like, damn, you got six games. Those games go by like this. Like and that. It's like man. you look back and they go by like that. You and it like, seems in the moment. Game one, like, I should have did this, or you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And then your mind, like you having a whole therapy session out in Vegas, all these women out here, you know what I'm saying? All these things to be you having a whole Dr. Phil therapy session with yourself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it is, uh, it's, it's an interesting topic. And I think it's always interesting to share those type of things with the, with the younger generation of hoopers. But, um, you know, that being said, you, you've had an opportunity to be around now, both younger and obviously you got a chance to win a championship with the Warriors. Um, and one thing we wanted to talk about, man, is, is winning culture is such like a, a hot button thing now. And I think you have a unique perspective, um, you know, obviously contributing to a championship, but also not being Steph Curry on a championship team. I feel like your perspective might be a little bit diff- uh, a little bit different. So to you, what does it take to win? Because you've won at the NBA level, you've won at the international level. Uh, what, what, what is it? What are the things that your biggest takeaways from winning environments, winning cultures? Man, that's a that's crazy because 
the one thing that I talked about when I first got to Australia and they obviously they asked me, you know, how does how does this team compare to, you know, playing with the Warriors and as far as winning. And it was just like it's the it's it's culture, man. It's it's personnel who you have around you. And um I think that it's it's a it's a a big sense of selflessness that I think everybody has to have on the team. And I think that those two key components, man, other than obviously you have to be a good team and be well coached and everything like that. But as far as just personnel, if you got the right guys with the if everybody on the same page with the same goal and have the same attitude, man, um and can be held accountable like those things I feel like are the, the recipe for a winning culture we had that in Golden State where you know if it didn't matter if it was KD or it was me or James McAdoo like it was hey man like if you ain't doing something right somebody gonna get called out for it and we didn't we didn't it wasn't a lot of favoritism obviously and there, there could be we got two MVPs on the team you got guys that already won a championship you know what I mean guys is making x amount of dollars yeah, you know how that goes, hierarchy, everything like that. But at the same time, man, like we all we all wanted to win, and it it could be a, it could be. I, I use this example like KD, Steph, Clay, Dre, like all them guys could have came down and and shot any shot they wanted to over double teams, triple teams, anything. But they were looking for the extra pass, like. And for me, a role guy, if I'm coming down the court and KD got the ball and he get double team and he he swing it to me like you got the confidence in me to shoot that shot so now that that only makes our team better and I think that's what we had with that 17 team and I also with uh this past year when in Sydney like we just had guys that were selfish man and we just wanted to win and everybody put their head down and and worked toward that common goal hey I know I know it's a different scenario but how, how hard is it to fight when you're in an environment like that? And it's like, that's another opportunity, right? Playing on an NBA champion team and you get on the court, obviously you ain't playing 30 minutes a game. How hard is it to fight that urge? Like, yo, I got to get my eight, 10 shots up. Come on, man. You saying it. I'm trying to get paid too. I want this ring, but. Man, you can't, you, you have to, you have to, you have to humble yourself. That's what I say. You got to humble yourself, man. It's like, you want to come out there and you obviously you want to start, you have to, you want to star in your role, I would say. And for me, man, I just tried to star in my role. Like one thing is that I tried to work on um, because there were times where my, my minutes were sporadic and, you know, Steve would put me in, you know, at the end of the first quarter or sometimes I wouldn't see the court. My first time coming in was the end of the back end of the second, the second quarter. And then I would start the third or things like that. So man, I tried to work on just being like, being ready at all times. Like I would come into practice cold and I would shoot 100 threes. That's the first thing I would do because there were times where it paid off where Steve would throw me in the game cold. And you know how it is, man. The ball going to find you. You know what I mean? You, you ain't played dog. Everybody else has been running up and down. They broke a sweat. You coming off cold and the ball finds you first position. You wide open. You got to be able to make the shot because if you don't, somebody else would, you know what I'm saying? All right, man, he's not, he not ready to play. Let's put somebody else in that's ready to play. And I didn't never, I never wanted to be the guy that wasn't ready. So, Little stuff like that, but like you said, man, coming in, you know, you you want to. I had times where, man, you know, if I was rocking, like I felt like they let me in and they, they let me rock. I would I would run off, you know, ten twelve points. But at the same time, there were times where, you know, I would have one shot when I'm in the when I'm on the court, and then I'm coming out because I'm getting subbed out for Clay. And obviously, Clay is the starter, so he coming in, he gonna get his minutes regardless. Is what can I do to keep us at a high level until the starter get back in? So. 
you got to play with it, man. It was tough. It was tough, but also, like, it was fun because, as you know, winning makes everything better. We win in games. You know, you look over the games where you only shot one or two times, and you magnify the games that you play well. And that's kind of how my mindset was. So it was definitely tough, man. And I think I don't think that everybody is capable of doing that, like, in the sense of, you know, it, it takes a special guys to be like, all right, man, I'm taking the back seat. I want to sit here. When you're trying to make a name for yourself, you're trying to get paid, like, it's 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 tough, but you make the make winning the 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 ultimate thing, man. Everything else to take care of itself. Yeah, I think I, I remember like back in the day, uh, my high school coach was uh, he was telling me about Casey Jacobson, and uh, he was like real close with Casey. And I think he told me like when Casey was in the league, as he was working out, sometimes he would take breaks in his workout, and he would just go sit down for a bit. Just, just mm. so he would get used to, like, sitting down, body temperature cooling off, whatever it is, and then he'd have to go right back into shooting and catching the rhythm and stuff like that because, you know, he just felt like it mimicked more so, like, his role when he was in the league, like coming off the Thanks. bench and then just having to be ready right away. Um, you know, however true that was, I don't know, but I think that uh, it is important, man, like, as, as you said earlier, you know, we were all scorers at one point and then your role adjusts depending on what kind of team you on. And like now mm-hmm. you got to figure out like, all right, I'm coming off of the bench. Like, how am I going to be successful in this new role? You know, especially I mean, I think from going from a starter to a to to coming off of the bench, like it's two different mentalities, man. You ain't you ain't man. touched the rock since warm ups, <laughs> like Come especially on, coming in the end of the first early second. Like, you know, what I mean, I that joint might feel like a football. Minutes. Yeah. You just sat down for 45 minutes, man. You you try to get the timeouts. You ask them to rip for the ball so you can feel it, <laughs> dribble it, you know, fake shoot. All of that, man. You got to – it's it's a it's, you playing with your mind a little bit. But that's the stuff you got to do, man, to, like you're saying, to stay ready. Like, and that's, that's – that was my mindset. I knew that I was going – it was it's for the moment. It could be – sometimes I didn't get thrown in until the third quarter, the first time. And it's like – and you got – but it's like they – I feel like – the coaching staff, they they expecting you to do something still. It don't matter if you've been sitting for an hour and a half, man. You you out there to play. You out there to be ready to play. That's what they told me. You don't get paid to play. You get paid to be ready to play. And so, man, that was my mindset to, to get ready. Shit. The way my back set up, I sit down. It's over. We going home. <laughs> we no sitting down. It is over. It is over. But, no, it's, it's dope to hear you talk about the mental side, like, I think one of the things, a guy especially such as yourself, like probably don't get talked about nearly enough, but even a guy like Draymond, like he's probably not, I mean, he probably ain't the most talented, but his ability to, you know, to take take on that role, mentally be like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get something done. Like those type of people are are special. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I just feel like those type of people just figure out their situations, not with talent, you know, yourself. I mean, my, not, it's with talent. But talent might not be the thing, but that mental fortitude or toughness, whatever you want to call it, is a is a special skill to have. And I think, you know, to hear you kind of talk about the ways to develop that is interesting. But yo, yeah. JT, so, so what makes let, let 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 let's talk about like your career as a point guard. Like, what made what was like the toughest situation you had to be in as a point guard in regards to whether it be in whether it been personnel fit or. Um, expectations, you know, what what was what was one of the toughest situations you were in in regards to something that was like completely outside of your game or whatever it is? From simply a basketball perspective. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, honestly, it's summer league. 
it, it's summer league for me. Like that's the toughest thing because for me it's like, you know, I I control games. Like that's what I do. I'm you know I can get hot. I can go score. You know, twenty twenty five if I you know if it happens. But for me it's like to just roll the ball out and just go. You know shoot 10, 15 times and, you know, just put them up, that's not me. Like, that's not even – and I, ha- I have an aggressive personality, to be honest. Like, I talk – but it's like, as a basketball player, that's just not me. Like, so summer league, like, those things that you talked about, being able to come off the bench in the third quarter, like, you have to be able to just roll the ball out and, yo, let's get to it. Like, you know, ain't, ain't really no – you have to create your own rhythm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm such a rhythm guy. Like, for me, I need those, those 25, 30 minutes to – you know, let me let me feel this game out. Let me see how guys are playing the pick and roll, how guys are guarding these down screens. Like that's so for me, that was that was probably the biggest challenge. Man. But what about you? Me? Yeah, both uh, of you. Go ahead, Ian. Okay. Uh, man, I, I'm the same way. Like I feel like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rhythm guy. Like I like to get in and and. See how the defense is playing, man. See how the pace of the game and, and where I can get, where I can be effective, where I can get a shot off, where I can make a play. And I guess one of my mindsets too was also like the big adjustment is like not thinking if, if I didn't if I didn't shoot the ball, how can I still make an impact? Like so, it was whether it's mm-hmm. it's not turning the ball over, whether it's getting a steal or two, getting a rebound or two, or making a making a swing swing to somebody to get us get the momentum going. Something like that, man, was was ways that I would I would boost my own self-confidence knowing that I did something positive out there on the floor, whether if I didn't score. Because for me, scoring was the bonus. Like, ah, right, y'all know I'm gonna get these, I'm gonna hit a couple of trays. Like, you know what I'm saying, in this little five to seven minutes, what you gonna get from me? Like, and that's why I, I try to play like the little small game, the game within the game. I try to play a little mind game with myself. It's like, all right, if you do something positive out here, then that's it's a win for you this game, no matter how many minutes you play. So, yeah, yeah, no, nah, that that makes sense. I think like one situation I remember being in was uh way back when I was in the it was the D League at the time, but we left. I left Fort Wayne, Fort Wayne, and went to Dakota, and uh, you know, new situation coming on the bench, and obviously like it was early in my career. I'm like, I gotta have like a great year. Like I'm not. I'm not for this bench talk. So it was just like, I remember, okay, I remember thinking before the first game, I was like, all right, coach is probably going to give me like 10 minutes. I'm probably going to get two shots in 10 minutes. Like, I got to at least go one for two, if not two for two. You know what I'm saying? And I remember even the practices leading up to that, I would always think of my shots during practice in sets of twos or fours. Like, okay, these next four shots, like, let me make sure I'm hitting three out of the next four shots. And I and putting that pressure on myself, like, I was taking the little pull up, like I was taking, like I wasn't, I wasn't trying to rhythm dribble late clock, like nah, nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the right one, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then it's like I got my two shots, and then I got 15 minutes, and now I was okay. I was getting four shots. You going two for four, three for four, and then I started getting, you know, more and more time, and I ended up starting, and you know, had a great year and stuff like that. But I think that that was kind of like my first time, like pretty much not starting since like middle school you know what I'm saying and uh you know I really had to look at it from a professional aspect like I need to get on court so I can have a career and then you know from there it's just like all right let me maintain this uh this good season that I'm having so um but yeah I used to it used to come down to practice man I used to really like think about minutes shots and what I needed to make to stay on 
Hey, I ain't gonna hold y'all. I used to love late clock shots because I feel like they don't count. <laughs> like I feel it's the most you ass back. Yeah, you know like, hey, you like if you miss, it's like, hey man, y'all shouldn't. Why y'all? Why y'all put me in that situation? You know, it's free money, you know what man. Y'all fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then, but then you got that. You got that dude money. that I had a ball with 12 seconds left. Act like he looking for somebody. See the clock, like. Ah, I gotta shoot it. Like, yeah, no, exactly. you wanted to shoot it, bro. <laughs> you like, you that. wanted that. <laughs> you looked <laughs> everybody <laughs> off. You nah, wanted that one. You wanted your one for a low ISO, dog. You wanted that. <laughs> nah. nah, do y'all do y'all feel like that? Uh, Ian, what you touched on is kind of like creating those positive plays for yourself to to get yourself going. You know what I'm saying? Y'all feel like that's gone from? You feel like that's leaving basketball or youth basketball? You know what I'm saying? A lot of people now say it's about getting the bucket. It's about get, which it always is, always has been. It's about getting the bucket. But do you feel like that mentality that you just brought is leaving the game at all? Um, I think it, personally, I think so a little bit just because of the, it's different, man. Like social media and how you can just, you can look like an all-star player because you look like you're putting up buckets. It's like, what else are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Throughout the game. I'm only seeing you score. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like guys that, younger kids now that do have the mindset of doing other things, I feel like those are the ones that we would see excel more than the guys that kind of, mm-hmm. like, I mean, we all know the guys that we grew up with that was a bucket, bucket, but then when they got to a point where everybody was a bucket with them, could they still perform? You know what I mean? And I think that's what we kind of seeing now. We got all these kids that's getting their content pushed out, which is good. Like, I'm, I'm happy for them. I want you to get the exposure. But it's to understand, like, it's the difference between knowing how to hoop and know how to play basketball. You know what I mean? And I think the guys get capped hooping and it's like, all right, they don't they it's they too far behind learning the basketball side of it and guys that have it figured out, man, other guys is gonna excel. So Yeah, I think too, like I th- I just always think it's important to look at the ways in which you're scoring. Like how many times are you scoring off cuts? You know, what are you getting in transition? Um uh, yeah, like just offensive rebounds, like Little things like that, man, I think make all the difference, man. And I think it's something simple like, you know, I mean, even I, like I've had times where I focus on like, man, I need to sprint a little faster in transition. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because that one or two steps is the difference between a bucket help side or man. you having to pass the rock. Thanks. You know what I'm saying? It's like those first two steps. So I think that like you sports today, like, yeah, they see like, you know, the, the Jordan Taylor late clock pull ups and stuff like that. But like, you know, there's so many there's so many other parts <laughs> of the game, man, that uh that really that really just get left out, man. And I think that, you know, we don't really glorify those enough. But I think the real recognize real, man. I mean yeah. the higher level colleges and obviously once you get to the pros and yeah. stuff like that, they're looking at the whole picture. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But it's just the kids that just don't see it. Man, to piggyback on what you just said, man, like finding cuts and running hard and stuff like that. I've been trying to tell some of these guys, man, you see some of these workouts and it's dribble, 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 dribble before they shoot. And it's like, man, you look at a lot of the guys, like obviously it's take it with a grain of salt. We're talking about unicorns. You're talking about KDs and stuff like that. But you watch them, man, and it's one dribble, two dribble pull up. Like they efficient with their moves. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that that's one of the things that I feel like is getting left behind in the game it's like man you could be you could average 25 and make clay did it with nine dribbles you know what i mean like little stuff like that and he was just moving and cutting and picking out what you're saying and like that's i feel like that's the thing that's lost man it's like everybody wants to show them getting a tough bucket and the easy bucket is actually what you need to be striving for make the game easier for yourself it don't always have to be hard so 
so so let me so let me ask y'all this to hearing that and obviously KD someone like KD Kyrie universally some of the greatest scorers of all time is Carl Malone just as good of a scorer as I them? think so a dude who runs the floor he cut you know what I'm saying he's getting layups he post up pick and pop you know what I'm saying is he is he just as good of a scorer as KD think, or should he be recognized I as think such? he just did it in a different way like you can you know, like you can first of all, the numbers don't lie. He didn't shoot a lot of trades and man got thirty-five plus thousand points. Like, you know what I mean? He was doing it's something great. right. <laughs> Whether he was just making shots, man, we can call him a shooter. But um I think that, you know, I think that he's just as good of a score as somebody you can say like in today's game now, you're talking Giannis. Giannis don't shoot a lot though, he didn't shoot it, but Giannis dominates because he knows what he's good at. I'm just gonna keep until y'all stop it, I'm gonna go take three dribbles and dunk on everybody on your team. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, little stuff like that. So I think that it's a it's a give and a take. Guys do it in different ways. And I think that, like you said, the real recognize real, the real going to prevail. And Carl Malone was one of those people that knew what he could do well and excelled at it. Yo, and, and it goes back. Two, two we, points is two points. Yeah. For real. Like, it goes back to what we was talking about a couple of weeks ago, man. It's like that IQ portion is, like, huge. I mean, we've all played with players like – got a world of skill but like he just takes bad shots or whatever it may be and it's like man you got to have an IQ to know which of your skills is going to help you be successful mm-hmm. you know in, w- in whatever your role is and I think that man like having an IQ you look at somebody like a Carmelo or like a Giannis like yeah he's going to look terrible if he's out there trying to like you know cross people over and you know shoot these fadeaways but you know what I mean? Carmelo do that, you know, do that face up and, you know, jab, jab. throw his body around. <laughs> yeah, that jab with, the, with his little elbows out. Man, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cash in your face. <laughs> All that. So he know who he is. Yeah, exactly. Nah, 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 that's dope. Hey, man, one thing, one thing I heard you talk about a lot so far is, is preparedness and just being ready to – to take on whatever comes your way and how important that is to you. And I know you worked out a lot this summer uh, in a workout group with guys like Darius Garland, Jordan Bone, like real high-level hoopers, right? Um, so just kind of talk about how important it is to work out with guys and compete with guys like that on a daily basis. Man, that's, that's big. Shout-out to J-Bone and, and, and DG, man. Shout-out to Jamal Richardson, man, AG Basketball, and my guys back in Nashville doing a great job. Um, Man, one to keep me young. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it a book, call it a spade a spade, man. If I if I feel like I'm I'm 30 plus, man, if I'm out here still running up and down the court with 22, 23 year olds, 24, I'm, I feel like I'm doing pretty good for myself. Um, but at the same time, man, like it's like it's just a new generation, and you find guys at a at a high level that that can score and are magicians with the basketball in so many different ways, man. I'm speaking about DG in general, I mean in specifics. Uh, man, he's hard to guard. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's basketball. I don't feel like, I feel like it doesn't have an age limit. And I'm saying that in, in regards of, and I don't know, he, he only probably never know this. So if he, if, when he see this, man, like I learned from DG so much throughout the summertime when we playing, you know what I mean? Like from, and I'm not even really asking him, but just watching the things that he do and kind of seeing what he thinking in this part of the pick and roll or why he made this pass or, you know, or how he getting his defender off of him. You know what I mean? Like little stuff like that. It's stuff that I try to pick up on, like, around, like, the different players that I play with or against or I train with. And, man, I think it just it helps you. You know what I mean? Full circle. You know, I might be helping him in some ways that he's not telling me and it's vice versa. So, 
being able to be around high level talent, man, and it can only help your game. And I think that, you know, working out by yourself can only do so much. And you just need to be in an environment where you're around people that might be better than you in certain aspects of your game. Like, you know what I mean? That can only help you get better. So that's what I take from that every summer. Yeah, I seen them. Uh, I remember. I remember back in the day they sent this. Uh, they sent this footage from y'all open gyms. Um, it was you, DG. I think Jay Bone was in there. Um, a couple other guys was up Rob in there, Covington, man. And it looked like Rob Covington. Yeah, he was up in there. And uh, man, it looked like obviously it looked like a great run and stuff, man. But uh, I mean, it, it really looked like one thing I took from it is it looked like guys were like going hard like you know yeah. the fast breaks it looked like guys was running like zero to a hundred like it, it was it looked intense on tape and i remember thinking like because the uh i'm blanking on the videographer's name that sent it over from slam ryan, but ryan he gibbons. sent it over right ryan. ryan gibbons My that's dog, right yeah. yeah when ryan sent it over i like man did he speed this up <laughs> i remember thinking that like <laughs> i was ryan. like is this on fast forward man, I got, it's one clip that he got man it was my it's my first time that was during the pandemic actually and i was going mm-hmm. back and forth between memphis and nashville so like in memphis we had the runs uh my trainer javante holmes man shout out to my dog um you know he trained like will barton and lester and kenny chandler like little guys like guys like that and so we hooping and just like they were asking me man like which ones you like more, like better and it was crazy because you know we couldn't do nothing else everything was shut down you could really barely get in gyms for real they weren't really trying to let people in gyms especially a whole lot of people at once so Saying what you're saying, man, them, them, them runs was intensified. Like, guys cared if they won or not. Like, guys didn't want to be sitting down. And going back to that, uh, one of them games, man, it's my first time playing with DG uh, and against him. And I'm guarding him. And he hit me with, like, three fezzies. And I'm sitting, I'm biting, I'm sitting down, I'm sitting down, I'm sitting down. And he hit me with the last one, and I bite. And he's just, and I'm like, damn. Like, I'm, I'm pissed off because I let this little get me on hezzy. Like, I ain't trying to look foolish out here, man. I know it's going to be on everything online, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that, but saying that to say, man, that's how, you know, like, guys actually care. We cared about winning. We Obviously, we didn't want to hurt each other, but, man, we we, we pushed each other. We competed, man, and this, it was, this shit was fun. Like, that was one of the best runs, times, I think, that we had. I know, obviously, pandemic-wise, it was bad, but during that time, as far as basketball, man, I feel like it got back to being pure, and guys just, man, wanted to, you saw the guys that really wanted to come to the gym that actually wanted to hoop rather than just, like, just showing up just because they felt like they had to. Yeah, that's, that's heavy. I mean, it sounds like y'all down there, down there you got a, a good group of guys down there, man, so we kind of want to take that opportunity for you to shout out GHGG, let us know what that's about, um, and just, just kind of give us yeah, give us the man, rundown on that. Man, company I started, man, uh, with my homies back at home, uh, Grind Hard Gang Green, that's the, that's the name. Um, and like I said, it's basically a lifestyle brand, man. We trying to um, use our examples in our lifestyle to kind of man spread awareness and and give motivation to other people that are in our same situations. Uh, me personally, I'm in sports, so being able to share my knowledge or gift or help as many people that I have that that are watching me and following me um, through my sport, and I show them by you know grinding hard, you can gain whatever green that you want to get, whether it's money, whether it's opportunity, whether it's you know, connecting with people and, and, you know, doing real estate, whatever it is, man, whatever you want to make your green, you can, it's the, the goal. The green is the goal. That's what you're trying to obtain. And you grinding, 
grinding is the work. You have to put in the work to get your goal. And that's kind of the the, the message that we want to get out, man. And we started with merch. We actually got a new a hat, hat line, I mean, a, a hat collection dropping pretty soon. So I'll keep y'all updated about that, man. But it's been fun, obviously, being first time, like, kind of starting something from the ground up. Uh, and doing it with, with guys that I grew up with back at home. We all in different uh, the areas of our lives, whether it's music, I got guys in fashion, guys in videography, guys in tech, um, things like that, man. And it's just trying to all come together, man. Obviously, black men trying to do something positive for the city of Memphis and, and around the world, honestly. So that's what it is. That's love. That's love, man. That's love. Congratulations Appreciate to you it, on man. that and all that. It's a, it's a, it's a beanie. Man, what kind of hat? What kind of hat collection? We got dad caps. We got beanies. We got uh, snapbacks, man. And it's just got different, different logos. We got our logo is the, the big G and this hourglass. Hourglass represents time. Obviously, you know we, what we just talked about before, man. You think you have all of the time in the world to do things, and it's like you really don't. So it's like maximizing the time that you have, man, to get things done. You know what I mean, and, and and not taking not taking it for granted. So, um, yeah, we got different different designs, man, different colorways, and um, it's kind of a, a new design that we're kind of putting out now, uh, putting out to the public. So, man, it's gonna be dope, man. I'm I'm excited about it, um, and like I said, man, I, I give you guys some gear, man, which I represent, man. Hopefully, I, I know y'all guys. I feel like, man, watching y'all, man, y'all, it's it's the same thing, y'all, man. Y'all doing something every day to get to a goal. We all are, you know what I'm saying, and being able to. Mm-hmm. To, to share that amongst common people. Like, I wanted to make sure that it was organic in the sense of, you know, I wanted to reach out to people that I saw that was, you know, thinking, having the same mindset as me. You know what I mean? And, and mindset is us as a, as a group. And, and being able to reach out to them and show them, man, I see you, I see what you're doing, and we're doing the same thing. Let's try to win together. You know what I mean? So that's the, that's the biggest thing I want to nah, put out. Yes, sir, that's dope. No, nah, I think that's dope, man, especially, like, you know, Obviously, with the resume that you have and then trying to make an impact, you know, back in your community, you know, while you're still hooping, man, I think it's so important, man. And and I remember seeing it in Seattle, um, you know, one of my college teammates, he's from Seattle. And I just remember as we were going through college and even like the early years of professional, like I saw how much, you know, Jason Terry and Jamal Crawford and all those guys gave back to, you know, IT and a bunch of the other younger guys and, and then they passed it for they paid it forward to the to the next generation and they just kind of just grew this entire uh, community of basketball players and i think that like man I, I think if every you know if memphis did it if chicago did it if la if everybody if all the hoopers just got together and gave back to to the youth you know what i mean in positive ways man i think it could it could really uplift the sport on and then most importantly off the court man like cuz you know kid, kids got to make better decisions man and they just a lot of times you just need somebody to kind of show you the way or, you know, shed some light on what the way might be. You know what I'm saying? Man, facts. That's, that's, that's exactly, man, what I'm getting to a, to a point of understanding, like, my impact, my platform. Like, I never, I've, I've never tried to be bigger than who I am. I've never been that person. Um, so, like, I've, I always came with a humble kind of attitude. But sometimes I feel like, I'm blocking my own. I'm blocking somebody else's blessing if I don't share what I've what I've learned, and you know, what I'm saying give give that knowledge out and give it back. So being able to have some like be that try to be that person in my city, uh, because you know we didn't. I didn't have it a lot. Like I talked to Penny, 
here and there, and I, more so when I got older, but not when I was a kid. You know what I mean? I really didn't have nobody, an NBA player or a professional, kind of telling me this is what you're supposed to do. I just thought, I'm going to go to high school, I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to go to the NBA. <laughs> like, that was, that was my mindset growing up. You know what I mean? You never know the, the obstacles and the politics of playing AAU basketball or, or you know what I'm saying, getting recruitment letters and how it works and playing D1, D2, three. Like, it's so much more layers that come up. Uh, they unfold the older you get and the more you don't get not, the more you're not ignorant to you know what I'm saying how the world really is so being able to to be a positive influence as much as I can man whether it's just man I hit somebody up and you call I say man I got an open line you hit, hit me up if you if you need to talk about anything basketball wise like that's what I try to do to the youth back at home and um, hopefully man that it can it can go a long way and more people coming up out of out of the city that gets that, that become pros like myself that are younger than me, they end up doing the same thing. And now it's just a recurrent cycle, man. And we can, they're making everybody get better. Man, so. it's, it's dope to hear you talk about that with such passion too, man. Like you talk about that, like it's hoop for real. Man. Like, that's, that's special for real. Like that, that's big man. time. So shout out to you for real. And congrats on seeing the value in that, man. Appreciate that's, it. that's a beautiful thing for real. Yeah. So, but man, so yeah, we gonna, you know, obviously you spend a lot of time in the NBA and now you have these other passions and you, and you've taken your game international to Sydney um, so we kind of, I kind of want to talk. Uh, there's been a lot of talk lately, man, about uh, about is Europe catching? You know that conversation come back every now and again. Is Europe catching the U.S. and yada yada yada? Uh, the Adelaide 36ers just beat the set or beat the Suns yesterday. Man, so I know that's one. It was one of your opponents last year. So first, let's talk about what that means. What's the Adelaide 36ers? Not the 76ers, the Adelaide 36ers beating, beating the Phoenix Suns. Talk about what that means uh, for basketball, uh, international basketball, and the caliber of international basketball players. Man, I think, it's, I think it's big for the NBL. I think it's big for international basketball all over, man. Obviously, everybody knows that you know the NBA is the highest level, so anything from another team is getting a win or something like that. It's going to magnify because of how great the NBA is. But uh, I think that, man, you, you it's talent everywhere. That's what I would say. And you got guys that, whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Australia, China, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of guys that can play basketball at a high level. And just because you're not in the NBA doesn't mean that you're not an NBA caliber player um, or you can't play at that level. And the more and more we see it, man, I think these teams, I think teams are, are becoming unafraid. Have we talked about having that fear factor? Like, I don't think 36ers came in there scared of Phoenix. I think they was like, man, that's what we got. That's the for the fences, what we got to lose. You know what I mean? And obviously they came out and put on the show, man. It was dope. But I think that international players are, are getting better. I think that the game, I think there's credit to the game. I think it's just growing exponentially. I think that guys are just getting better. Um, guys are understanding the game better. And, you know, they they putting in the use, man. And, and shout out to them. Shout out to a lot of the guys I played against on that on that team, man, they 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 got a stacked team. Thirty six, they ain't no joke. I think they're gonna be a big a big deal in the NBL this year. So shout out to them, man. It was a big win for them. Man, that that being said, and you was at EuroBasket, so we got to get to is an all Europe team competing with an all USA team in a seven game series? Twelve a twelve man roster, not five guys. So I mean, for those if we if we got if we got to call it out, we got obviously for Europe. You got Jokic, you got. Uh, uh, Luca, you got Giannis, Bogdanoviches, you got Lori Markinen, Bo Cruz, uh, 
You putting Jones, you know, Embiid in there? You putting nah, him in there? He, he just got the U.S. citizenship, didn't he? So he, 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 he ah, he did. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought he was. I think he was trying to play with France, yeah, right? They, at like one that. point, he was. I don't know if he's still. If he's still, but nah, Embiid ain't in there. And then obviously with the U.S., you got what's okay. your, what, was, what was you waving your finger for? Who I forget? Bro, nah, I'm just saying, like an all Europe team, it ain't enough. It he's ain't enough. enough. Saying, no, like, all, all USA team, like come on, man, we're not, we're not gonna do that. But I mean, I think like. Yeah, I think if you're playing with European rules, they have a chance to win some games. But if we're talking a seven game series, like, I mean, just the length and athleticism alone, you know what I'm saying? It's not. I don't think I don't think it'll be close. Now, are we are we talking the best, the best European players or are you talking about just a team in Europe against? Nah, the, be, the, best, the best European players. Yeah, the best European players versus the best American players. Seven games. Okay, but look, look, everybody, everybody's getting all hype, hype and excited about the first five, right? The first five <laughs> European players. Everybody's excited. <laughs> first, Let's talk nah, about that next five the, versus the next American the first five. Three, the Let's first talk about three, the second quarter. The first three. Let's talk about the second quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. We got. We got to keep that in in in, in motion. For so that's definitely yeah. Let's talk about what's gonna happen so, three minutes left in the third. <laughs> you know when the when the reserves come in, like you got you got somebody like Kyrie come playing come against on, the second string. It's like oh man, that yeah, ain't, that ain't uh, fair. Nah, it's it's tough, man. I think that I think that we obviously man just it's something about just basketball in the U.S. that we the talent wise, man, is just. People just, they still trying to, I don't think they're far. I don't think Europe is far off. But I still think that we still have an edge right now. Because they don't have the athletes. Europe just doesn't have the athletes that the NBA has. They have they have enough guys that can shoot. They got enough guys that can pass and, you know, can play smart enough and things like that. But they're in regards smart. to uh, just the the athletes, the that, that level of athleticism is just absent in Europe. Like, you have one every now and then. You know what I mean? But, like, Giannis, like, but yeah, outside of Giannis – and also, them guys been playing since they were 13, 14, 15, 16 as pros. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, we we going to college. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a different. What, like so, a what, different what's mind. the series? What's the series then? 4 0? No, I don't think it's 4 0. No, I say I say 6. I go 6. 6, maybe 7. I, 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 I say, say, I say 6 is the max. If it's European rules, I think it's I think it's I think it's it goes five or six games. If we play NBA rules, I think it might be over in four. Three and a half. See, all right. So here, here's where here's where <coughs> call it, you call it. it's four zero. Okay. It's four zero. What about it's, you, Jay? It's four. And here's where I'm, I'm about to start. I'm about to go in because the first <laughs> here's what I got to say. You said the next five, right? This is why European basketball, international basketball, will never catch American basketball. Like shout out Luca, Jokic, Giannis. Those dudes are amazing. They're great. Even Laurie Marketing, those classic mm-hmm. guys, they great. They're amazing players. But you take a dude like a Jordan Taylor, a Anthony Goods or Ian Clark, and take their European counterpart, and what do they do? Where do they play? Like, just, just like, mm. what, what are, are they even, are they even basketball players? Like, if you had to make a ranking yeah. of U.S. basketball players in the ranking, Yeah, are they so if you were ranking, like, players? Jordan Taylor, or Anthony Goods and, uh, on a scale of, like, all the, the American basketball players, and then you line us up with, like, all the European basketball players. So, like, let's just say I'm the 1,000th greatest player. The 1,000th greatest player in Europe is, he belongs in high school. 
He was high school. He probably played high school basketball. Nah, nah, fam. That man working at the Google. He had the gas station. No disrespect. Ain't nothing wrong working at the gas station. That's love. But he's not hooping. So like you can't just take the top three guys and say European basketball, top ten guys and say European basketball is catching up. And on top of that, if European basketball or whatever was catching up, then you would get rid of every single rule that exists to give Europeans an advantage. There should be no rule on how many foreigners are allowed in each league. There should be no stipulation on, well, if you play with FIBA rules, then nah. Like, it should, you, if you got to make all these stipulations yeah. to compete, you can't compete. Yeah. And it's not close. It's called a handicap. And people got to stop doing that. Yeah. It's just a handicap. Like, stop. you can't handicap yourself and then say, oh, well, we caught up. Now we like, eat. no, you're not. You're just lying. Yeah. <laughs> you just lie and it's nonsense. <laughs> and the crazy, and y'all know just as well as anybody else, Ian, you probably know better than anybody. There is somewhat of an international agenda in the NBA right now. Like there's an international agenda, a business agenda to get international guys. So on top of just that, just a business agenda for sure. So on top, I mean, the for Warriors sure. themselves yeah. just came out and said that they wanted uh, Yuta Baba, who's a Japanese player, to come to training camp with them solely for the purpose of getting the Japanese market because it's the third biggest economy in the world. That's that's uh I think he played for Melbourne. He played for Melbourne. Played for Melbourne. If I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. He played okay. for Melbourne. And the yeah. yeah, the whoever it was, the business guy in the Warriors came out and the article said he wanted that. So on top of that, international guys are getting slotted or un unsaid slotted spots in the NBA now at this point too. So it's like to me, yeah. being an international basketball player might be the easiest thing to be in all the basketball, maybe sports. Oh, straight up, man. I already I listen, listen. I ain't got no kids. If I had a kid, I'm going overseas. <laughs> I'm going overseas for the first 14 years of his life. And he's taking performance enhancing drugs. Then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna wean him off of that for one year. He's gonna be a crazy athlete, hey. man. Cause you once you got that international tag man, and you got a, a level of athleticism. I mean, that's why so many players from France are in the league. You know what I mean? And they're not all of them don't aren't even that good enough to stay in the league, but like they got the athleticism, they're from Europe, et cetera, et cetera. Like it looks like their game should fit. You know what I'm saying? But Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, a potential, it's a potential thing. thing too. It's right. like he could be, he could, he got all the tools. He long, he athletic. He could probably guard multiple positions. Yeah. But it's like, uh, yeah, does he know basketball? You know what I mean? Like, can he? How he gonna perform when he with with all these grown men that's really come that's gonna look at him like like lunch me? Like, let me, yeah. I'm that's food. You know what I mean? So, I feel like the mentality is something that. Obviously, that gives us an edge too. Like whatever they, where guys coming from, you know, what I'm saying where how you grew up, you take that that chip on your shoulder, man, and you apply it to basketball rather than somebody just doing it just to do it, and because yeah. they said they were tall, like nah, that's you know a fact, I mean? so, man. But okay, yeah. so like on hoops hype, they had the top seventy six international players ever, and I'm gonna just read off the top ten, and y'all let me know what y'all think about this top ten. Just okay. the international players, they got Hakeem. This is all in order. Hakeem, Dirk, Giannis, Nash, Pau Gasol, Nikola Jokic, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, Luka at 9, Dikembe at 10. Ben Simmons is way down in 29, which I thought was crazy. But Hold on, my bad. Give me, give me the top five one more time. Top five. Top five. Hakeem, Dirk, Giannis, Steve Nash, Pau Gasol. And this is international? Ever. International players ever. Yeah. 
I, and I, is is it biased? Is it based? I on think resume? a lot of it was off resume or whatnot. But like even just even let's Has let's to, just look right? at the talent. Okay. Talent wise, talent wise. What do y'all think about that top five? I, I I was surprised to see Powell in the in the top five. If you strip away, okay, yeah, you he won it. those championships, whatever. But <laughs> you see how you see how cats do. How, how <laughs> You see how he did? Oh, you won them championships or whatever. Nah, we not doing that. <laughs> no, I'm saying, look at that talent. Man. Like, he shouldn't be yes. in that top five. Power in the top five. Man, not. I mean, Akeem, I can. Yeah, I, I, I'll leave Akeem. Giannis, I, I think Dirk Giannis. as well. You saying this, Steve Nash? Oh, Dirk for sure. Dirk, Dirk for sure. Dirk, Dirk as well too. I'm not taking anything away from Steve Nash. And I think that he's top five because of resume right now. I think that a guy like Luca could insert himself in that top sure. five by the time he's done with his yeah, career. Yeah. That's why I asked if it was basically off, so, you know what I'm saying, past resume or just like player, like right now. Because I don't think that people would say right now, if you start the team, you're going to take Luca or you're going to take Steve Nash. Right. What people going to say. You know what I mean? So, so you you definitely not signing in Brooklyn this year. That's that's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, no, I, I don't want to say that now. No, I, I'm still in the place, folks. So. No, nah, I just play it. I'm not. No, it's just an opinion. Ain't no disrespect. It's just an opinion, man. Nah, never, man. So so yeah, Luca exactly. Luca in the top five? He's top. He's number nine. But he should be. I think he five. will. By the time he's done, I think he will be. I feel like he him and Jokic. Yeah, so I feel like Jokic will have a better career than Paul Gasol at the yeah. end of the day. When you just look at like numbers in general, is it is it a better career? Yeah, MVP. So Paul never had MVPs. Mm, that's true. Do you two MVPs and two chips? What's better? So What's more important? Two MVPs and two chips. MVPs. MVPs. Uh, they, they, now, now we now it's opinion yeah. based. Now at this point, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. but it's it's all subjective. <laughs> that, but that, that's the that's the whole reason you got to go by by uh by career because career is the only way you can take out the opinion, take somewhat of the opinion, make it somewhat objective. So, yeah. To me, like if you win in two, three MVPs versus being the second option on a championship team, to me that's that's pretty objective. Who? Mm-hmm. Because we all know how much like we talked about I, earlier in the episode fair. how much it takes. To win, like what goes into winning, all the moving parts yeah. that go into winning, and I think too many sports debates factor in. You know, oh, how many championships does he got? When it's like, bro, that's not. You can't just define a person. I mean, I know Ant just gonna poo poo some championships, apparently, but it's like, nah, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot that go into champion. <laughs> right. It's a lot that goes into winning that's out of your control or individual's yeah. control. Yeah. So. True. But. I can yeah, with that. Shit, I, who, who, who was six to ten? Give me six to ten real quick. My bad. Six to ten was uh, six to ten was Jokic, Tony Parker, Manu, uh, Luca, and Dikembe. See, I don't know if Manu is gonna be in okay. my top ten. Top ten? Really? I don't know if he's gonna be in my top. top I mean, when it's said, give me the next, give me fifteen, give me eleven, fifteen. Eleven to fifteen. Okay, now you going into. Uh, all right, you got Joel Embiid, Al Horford, uh, Rudy Gobert, Drazen Petrovic. And then Yao Ming mm-hmm. is right outside oh. of that at 16. What is 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 is, is Yao is Manu better? Is my from subjectively, is Manu that much better than Goran Dragic? 
Take away the championships. We just talking about it as a player. He yeah, way yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He way yeah, better. Yeah, I think so. I think Dragic might be one of the most yeah. underrated. No, nah, I think he's tough. Players. I think he's tough. He is underrated. I think he's tough. I, I think, think man is better. better. Okay. I think I think them having Ben Simmons yeah. at twenty nine. I feel like. I, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I don't think. I think it's more they come. They, yeah, they yeah, yeah. They, like they they doing they that. Doing. If Ben Simmons you know I mean? was from Italy, he'd be fucked. Top fifteen, you know what I'm saying? But Ben Simmons, exactly. How yeah, he I is agree. being from Australia and all the other nonsense that's happened over the past year, they dropped him way down to 29. They, I'm like, come on, bro, don't don't make me read the 20s. Where, where Gallinari? At? He, he, he top mm-hmm. 20. Where's who? Where Gallinari at? Where Gallinari? Gallo, at? Gallo, he he's pretty he's pretty high up there too. Uh, Gallo is, uh, give me a second. Gallo's, dang, he late 20s. Gallo is shoot. Gallo's after that in the thirties. Yeah, Gallo got to be. They got Ricky. Hold on, I must have passed Gallo. Ain't no way he's in the thirties. Yeah, I thought Gallo was in the twenties. And he's still in the NFL. He been. He been. He been. been, Gallo had some years too where he was. That's what I'm saying. Big cook. Man. See, I think I think Ginobili is obviously he benefited from being with the Spurs greatly, obviously. But I don't know if you put him, you know, in Gallo's in some of the roles Gallo had, or I don't think I don't think he's he doesn't he definitely doesn't have the same resume, doesn't have the same legacy, whatever. So, but I mean, I guess I just said I, you got to. I keep think the, yeah, the Gallo answer. was. Yeah, I think that. I don't think it would be the same. I think that obviously the Spurs helped him be great, but I also think that Gallo and, and Mandu, like, Gallo was more of a one-on-one player. Mm-hmm. Like, ISO. Like, I feel like, like, Mandu was this, he he started being, like, that third that third option that was better than everybody yeah. else's third option. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at the time when he came up, he was, whether he was coming off the bench, yeah. like, he was instant offense, he scored, but he, he wasn't really, like, I'm going to give you the ball and everybody just, I'm going to, he's going to do three, four dribbles and get a step back or something like that. Like Gallo 39 on this yeah. list. Ooh. 39? He got, yeah, he higher. He yeah. Gallo 39. Yeah, throw that out. Yeah. Gallo and Giannis is, Giannis is above Dirk, and that's the last thing. No, I'm no, no. Oh, you saying in Dirk. No, no, Dirk's second. No, I know. I'm saying Giannis is above Dirk. Should be above Dirk. He should be. Are you saying that? Yeah. Okay. Giannis is Giannis already done blasted. Giannis is over. What? What? Already? What is what is all he got? I mean, just from a from a legacy standpoint, he got two two MVP, a chip. Uh, he I don't know how many times he's all defense, all NBA, and all that. But by the time it's he's the, he's clearly the best. I think Dirk. Think about Dirk as great as he was. Like there was a significant portion of Dirk's of career of his career where he was not even. He wasn't the best player at his position for certain, and he probably wasn't even top two at his position. I mean, that's. I mean, but you coming up, you you comparing him to Tim Duncan and KG, probably. Like, you know what I mean? Like this for sure. But Giannis, Giannis, right now, arguably is the best player in the NBA right now. Dirk has never been that. That's true. Yeah, Dirk has never it's been that, and, and and Giannis might. He's got he's he's got a window here right now where like all right, KD's thirty four. Like if you ask me, I'm I'm still KD is still probably one when when KD on the shit like, but 
Giannis is arguably the best player in the league, and he's going to have a window of at least the next three, four years where he's probably going to be the best player in the league. Man. And I got a, I got a, I got somebody to say something down the street at Chase Center, the little light skin number 30. He might he might got something to say about being the best player in the league. I don't know why. It's a little light skin. So. <laughs> I, 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 listen, listen, I ain't going, we, we talked about that on man, this show. Like, and I'm not trying to be biased, but. Hey. Tough man. Yeah. Hey, we we t- we talked about it on this. Show. How can you take it away? You know what I mean. When you get to when you get to that level of Giannis, Steph, Bron, KD, it's like honestly, Bron, Bron had a run where he was undoubtedly probably the best. But them other dudes, it's like it might just depend on the year. Like mm-hmm. I don't, and obviously there was okay. It, it, it might it might depend I'm on the I'm game. Ask both of y'all. What, what's, who's y'all top five best players in the league right now? You go ahead, Ed. In order, too. In order. In order. In order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to I I see what your mind is. In order. Hey, you said Giannis, so shoot. I know, yeah, I know yeah, your no, one, I, I know yeah, your yeah. one already. No, 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 no. I said, I, said, I said Giannis arguably, and I said I'll take KD for my money, but I'll let Ed go first. Okay. I'll let okay. Ed go first. We're talking about just overall greatness or just skill alone or just ability to put the ball in the hole, yes. just being a good basketball player. Man, you put everything, you put everything, everything, everything. Whatever you... you can, can I can, so you gonna, can I you give, knock out the guys? Can I give a disclaimer real quick? This is this is my my list. Mm-hmm. My list is subject to change tomorrow, so I'm just gonna let you know that. It's fluid. That's my disclaimer. But go ahead, man. man I would say uh, I still yeah, it's tough. I would say uh, I, I would say it's tough. It's tough, man. I would still say KD and Giannis are my one and two. I'm not sure which order. It uh I would probably I would probably say I'll probably say Giannis. You know, I feel like Giannis just uh he just demands so much attention. He also has somewhat of a bigger role because KD's also on teams, or at least the last few years, he's been on teams where guys have needed the ball in their hands to, like, you know, get their stuff off. And they, they scored a high clip as well. Whereas Giannis, like, you know what I mean, he's he's somewhat – he's not the primary ball handler, but he got the ball in his hands a lot. So, like, I'll probably go, like, Giannis, KD. Um, man, three. It's hard for me to – it's hard for me to ignore what Jokic did with – that team and that level of talent, you know, in regards to the success that they've had. I think that that's, that's impactful, even though it's not pretty. Um, but honestly, like I put Steph, I put Steph before him, put Steph three, Jokic four, five. Shit. I don't know. I'm about to sit on five. Yeah, I have to That's sit tough. on five. You gonna come back to yeah, you? yeah, go ahead. You're gonna come back to go over, uh, sit on the sideline. Yeah, come back to five. Right, yeah, so I got so I'm gonna go KD is one. I think that KD does not get the appreciation because he's known for being a scorer, he doesn't get the appreciation that guys like uh Giannis, Braun, even Jokic now they get for having the impact on the game and other facets passing. You know, even knowing when to step aside and let Kyrie do his thing, rebounding the ball, defending. 
Uh, he was guarding Tatum in that parts. He was guarding Jalen Brown at parts of the series, and he got a you know they're shorthanded. He creating, and people you know people take that for granted with KD, and he he deserved, he got he started getting some credit for that. I think in 2017 at Golden State, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying for for blocking yeah. shots and doing all this other he stuff that he was doing. But he's been doing that for a long time now. And I think one thing I enjoy watching about KD is his ability to pass the ball has has grown Mm -hmm. crazy, crazy. Like to find guys and just be a playmaker has grown crazy. Um, So that's why he's still one to me. Um, Giannis is two because Giannis is just a – he's a record ball. I mean, the dude, he just – you can't – he's unstoppable. You know what I'm saying? He's – you know what I'm saying? He he does everything. He's going to dunk on you. He really only has one deficiency. Um – Three is Steph. I feel bad putting Steph there because he probably deserves to be at one right now. Just like, <laughs> just based on what he's done, he deserves to be at one. His impact on the game, offensively especially, will never. I don't know if it will ever be seen again. Just the way he's able to move without the ball and make other guys around him better. Um, and then four, I'm sticking with Bron at four until further notice. His impact ain't quite the same as what it used to be. Um, then he's the not. Then he's not. He's not the bit. same. Then if it's not the same, then how is he? How is he? Talking <laughs> he's about not the same. Because he's he's been one. Okay, he's been so one. But I'm saying it's what not the same. But but you're saying we say we say right now because of red, like you bring it. Look look You put right now. He four. Okay, 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 JT, 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 you put, you put LeBron, you trade LeBron and Jokic, and you put LeBron on that Denver Nuggets team. You think he he takes them as far as Jokic did? Uh, let me do it. Think about the supporting cast seed? without Jamal Murray. To a six seed, to a six seed, maybe in the in the West, maybe I can't I can't I can't convincingly tell you no. On on paper, okay, I'm gonna ask you this now. On paper, were the Lakers last year on paper better than Denver Nuggets on paper? If you looked at this on on paper, like who actually played in the games, like besides Mr. Glass. <laughs> no disrespect. I love AD. That's one of my favorite players. That's one of my favorite players. But Mr. Glass, man. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's a good one right there. So, uh, so yeah. No, nah, no. Nah, I'm a, yeah. I mean, and I mean, because well, what Denver didn't have Jamal Murray, so this is, yeah, I guess you can. This is, this, I, I'll give it. I'll give you that. This is yeah. why. This is why these lists are fluid because I love Russ too. But the way Russ played last year from. Christmas Day game on, Monte Morris was better than the same him. Monte yeah. Morris was more yeah, effective than him. In like, his role. The numbers, in his he, role. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I, that's what I'm saying. Like, he but was if more, we're looking okay, at the, if we look Denver, at all paper. Denver's though. supporting cast. Uh, hold on. Don't make me Malika Andrews. You, Malika Andrews, you late. I'm saying. I'm about to say. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is like on paper, forget on paper, what was actually on the court, what was actually being produced. Denver had a better team. And I don't think it's because okay. of what Jokic was. It was in part because what Jokic was bringing. Don't get it twisted. But that's not like LeBron could have brought some of those th- same things out uh, of those dudes. And, you know, but I will say that maybe Jokic might have been better for the Lakers team. Maybe. I don't know. But all I'm saying is I can't definitively say that LeBron couldn't have got a six seed with the Nuggets last year. The Lakers were Poo butt, man. Like they didn't, they didn't even try, dog. Like they weren't playing defense. Like all those dudes can play. Malik Monk was good. All them dudes are crazy good. They weren't trying. Like you could watch the games and see that. And we were forced to watch the games because TNT put them on every night. 
Put them on every, every like, night. <laughs> like, bro, nobody wants to see the Lakers lose to the Pelicans by 30. And that's coming from somebody who I literally watch every Laker game anyway after the fact because I want to see the end of Bron. But anyway, Bron is four, Negro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Bron is four. Yeah. And five, I'll go Jokic. Okay. Okay. I'm going to go 1A, 1B, 1C. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I was about to say, nah. Because, <laughs> man, it's tough because I'm going to preface this by saying I agree with you about KD as far as 2017. That was my first time. Obviously, I played against him before and playing against him in OKC. But his role when he was here in Golden State was, y'all know I'm going to get 30. But let me show y'all that I can do everything else. And when I saw him defending and blocking shots, getting almost two blocks a game, when I saw him coming off pick and roll and it was like setting up JaVale for lobs or hitting somebody, in, hitting Loon in a pocket, it was like, okay, KD, like you're showing something that you probably always had in your game, but it wasn't magnified because we just looking at him scoring, you know, ISO and going and making shots. So saying that to say, like, it's hard for me to be biased because I play with both of them. But, like, I like K at one, and I'm going to put, like, Steph right under him. But I think that – but I feel like, like you said, JT, I feel like my, my list can change because I feel like mm. – actually, I'm going to put Steph at top. I'm going to put K right under him just because Steph just had the year he just had last year. And I think that him carrying that team by himself when everybody said he couldn't do it, when you could argue – that his numbers were just as good in years past that he probably deserved to not take anything away from KD or Andre. But you could say that he could have got MV, finals MVP before this this past year. You know what I mean? You could make that argument. So, But the, the way that the way that Giannis demands attention and Giannis does it in a physical way, I think that Steph does it in a totally different way, but it's the same kind of attention that he demands when he's on the court. Like, you got to find him. Two guys are going to go with him. If he coming off a down screen, he ain't got to have the ball in his hands, and two guys can follow him, and somebody else getting open. Like, the law of attraction that he has, I think that's what separates him from a lot of a lot of the, the great players in the, in the league today. And so I'm going to start with Steph. I'm going to go K right under. I'm going to go Giannis. Just because what I just said, I think he's just dominant, man. I think he just don't let nobody get in his way of what he want to do. I'm going to do this. I can shoot, but y'all going to back up and I'm still going to come down the lane and y'all got to, I'm going to go through y'all. Like that mentality of I'm not going to be stopped is something that you can't teach. And I feel like he figured it out. And now he's just, just taking this game to a whole other level. Um, Jokic is my four. Just like you, I got with that six seed, man. Like, I don't think that it's, it's hard to do. And he had like the, the 2000 points, two, there was the 2000 rebounds or like a thousand, something like that. The first player in the NBA history to do something like that. Um, man, he's just, he's special. I think that he's special. And I think five is going to be controversial, man. I want to put Braun because of what he's doing, but I got to go Joel and D. That's what I was thinking, too. It's my, it's my five, it. man. Like, yeah, I can't on that. And from, from a sense of, and I feel like Joel would be higher, but because I, I honestly had, it, 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 I wouldn't, it wouldn't have mattered to me who won MVP last year, whether it was him or Jokic. I feel like you couldn't go wrong with either one. But um, Joel's, I feel like his dominance and understanding, like, like, he's not as mobile as Giannis is as far as, like, being able to run up and down the floor. But 
the the demand for what he's gonna do. I feel like he understands. Like I, I can't. I'm big. I can't be stopped. I'm gonna get out here in the post, and I'm just gonna lay it up. Like he can shoot the three to make you to keep you honest. And I think that's the difference. Uh, but I got him in my top five. And I, I got Brown like right out right outside on the six. So I, I, the only only thing only thing I'll say is that Jokic stat is that's one of them ESPN Tuesday night in the cold February. Because <laughs> Russ Russ did that. Russ had the, the twenty five hundred. Russ had like twenty five hundred like. 600 assists and like 970 some rebounds or something like that. It was like, yo, cause it's like, come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, play my man like that. But so Brock can't be for it. I wouldn't have him at four. I like, I was, I was thinking between Embiid and Brian for number five. I I was between them. Cause like, I mean, Embiid, Embiid's another one, man. Like, he steps his production yeah. up when nobody's around, you know what I mean? And he still produces at a high level when he's got, you know, some hitters around him. Like, damn, damn, like damn, he's, still, he's still that guy on that team, like, you know what I mean? So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Embiid, man, I think his impact, like, on that team, man, I think is is huge. So, uh, it is. I couldn't yeah, be mad is. at that, man. But, um but yeah, man. Um, but moving forward, man, we uh, the Lint Sanity documentary is dropping. Um, looks like it's gonna be a be an interesting uh, little clip coming out soon, uh, sometime this month. I think in the middle of the month, man. But so the question is, man, like what what memories y'all got from Lint Sanity, and what impact you think uh, his success had on like you know small school and but also those guys at the end of the bench because. It was really at a time where them contracts about to be guaranteed, and they threw him in the fire. Like, all right, let's let's see what's happening before mm-hmm. we uh, before we make this call. So, what impact do you think he uh, he had on the game for for those guys? Man, for me, man, I remember watching him being in college. Man, like if he out here doing this, I know I can. And it's not a I'm not <laughs> taking anything away from him, but I'm saying it more so like he giving guys like me hope. You know what I mean? Like. Because I can remember, you know, I I remember when he was on like the when he got picked up for Golden State. Well, he's like on the training camp squad. Yeah, I think, summer league, yeah, and then he went to training camp. Did, yeah, suddenly did, didn't get an opportunity like he wanted to. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you going out there and it's, it looked like he was just hooping. Like at that point, it was like I'm just I'm just out here. And man, the run that he had was probably it had to be in top five, man. Kind of best stories I feel like in NBA history as far as. Coming from where he's coming from, and then the way his career played out after, which he ended up sticking and a, was a starter and a valuable backup, like for the years to come, ended up winning the ship. Obviously, it's crazy because I saw him the night that they won it. I was out here for the game, and I ended up seeing him, kind of talking to him. My first time really ever saying something to him and just telling him congrats and stuff like that. But man, I think that he had a big, big impact not only for you know guys at the end of the bench, but also his his culture too, like. You know, guys in, in, in Asia, they want to come and play in the NBA. Like, you know, obviously Yao did, was a big part of that too. But um, him being able to show, show guys like me and everybody else that it's hope, man, that you could, all you need is the opportunity. And it's about, it's, sometimes it is about timing. You know what I mean? And, and I feel like he just, he got hot at the right time in one of the biggest markets uh, being in New York and struck fire, man, for real. So, I'm happy for him, man, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the documentary. Yeah, man, I I say I say the same. I say the same. He was like, cause 
And I think any smaller guard was kind of looking at it like, yo, yeah, damn, like, I could shoot. He doing that. I could, I could get busy, too. Come like, on, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and again, like, he, like, it was no disrespect, but it's like, dude from, dude from Harvard, like, just like he said in, in his interviews, like, dude from Harvard, like, and no, just like Asian dude, like probably not that athletic. Like we probably look at like you know how he's basketball, like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's like, that's how people. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but that's the mindset. Like and I'm pretty sure mindset. he knew that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he, I, I was actually just watching an interview he was on Sports Center talking about, it, and he said that. And I mean that's that's just it is what it is. Like so, like just seeing that, it was like yeah, like it gave hope. It also was like. I honestly probably gave a little bit of a false perspective in the sense like he made it look somewhat easy too where it's like easy. Man, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Not um, knowing what he had to go through. Man, man, he, he made it look he made it look effortless, which is kind of crazy. It reminded me of like when you watch tennis and you know what I'm saying, like you out there watching tennis and you know, next thing you know, you think you could be a be out there beating Serena Williams or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, nah, it's not it's not really like that. But yeah. at the same time, it gave me an appreciation because um, that was still kind of at the at the rise of like where, you know, you could come from anywhere. Like a guy like yourself Ian, coming from Belmont or, you know, Nate Walters coming from South Dakota State. And like it's like, you know, you grew up with with, all, with everybody and being that. But at, at that time, it was like the power five schools was still like, all right, that's where we grabbing guys from. Right. So mm-hmm. it was like, and you know, guys can hoop, but it was like going into the tournament or whatever it was. I think we played y'all. We might played y'all in the tournament that we, year, or the year before. We played y'all in the tournament. That was my. That was. Well, that was twenty. Twenty eleven, I think. Eleven. Mm-hmm. So that was my right first before, year. Yeah, yeah, it might be, yeah, yeah. It might have been right before Lynn Sanity, but even like going into those games, it was like, damn, like you gotta, you know, you gotta break because all these dudes can hoop. Like just because it's a smaller school, don't mean don't mean nothing. Like all these dudes can play. So it gave it gave a kind of false perspective, also a sense of a of appreciation, and uh, you know, kind of open your eyes to just how much talent is out there for real. Yeah, yeah. I think, man. I've had a I've had a history with Jay Lynn, man. He uh, he grew up across the street from Stanford, so <clears throat> so he used to, uh, you know, when he was at uh, Harvard, you know, which is like the Stanford of the East, he used to like reach out to us in the summertime and try to, you know, play open gym with us. And like, you know, I remember whoever was coordinating the open gyms on our team would be like, "Yo, you know, we'll hit you when we got when we need numbers type of shit." And uh, I started yeah. to see he got better. Like, we played Harvard, I think, uh, my last two years. Um, he came back to Stanford. He had a donut. But that next year, his senior year, I think, he uh, – I remember I wa- went to watch him play at Santa Clara, man, and, like, the gym was packed. It was all Jay Lynn fans, man. And um, he looked like he was a lot better. And then he went to summer league and, you know, things like that. But right before Lansanity hit, I think that was a lockout year. Uh, I just came back from training camp uh, with OKC, and I had like a week in between me signing to go play in Italy, and he was in the G League. I was in the G League for a high second, and um, I seen him, and he was like, yeah, they just sent me back down. Like, I got another week to find out if my contract is guaranteed or whatever. So I was like, okay, I just figured the team sending him down, get his legs warm, like, because, you know, we're just going to see what's up. And I think he had a triple-double that week in the G League. And then uh, I went off to to Italy, and I just remember my teammates in the locker room, like, just talking. I heard something, Jeremy Lin. And I look up on the internet, I'm like, okay, he had a good game. And then I seen again, like, okay, he had another one. And then it was past the date. I'm like, okay, now, you know, at least he's going to be on the team to the end of the year. He ain't going to play no more. But, you know what I mean? He earned it. Mm-hmm. And then he just kept killing it. And I'm like, yo, what he's doing is special, man. And I think he was one of those players – and Ian, you could probably attest to this, man. I think, like, 
you know, each situation he got in, he just figured it out. He just figured out how to get better. And I think his game just continued to grow. He just continued to stay ready. And at, at that point, he was just out there making basketball plays, like take the open shots when it was around. And, you know, everybody's worried about Melo and all, you know, and everybody else. Landry Fields having a great year and all that other stuff. And then, you know, this kid comes off the bench and, and starts killing, man. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm excited to see the documentary, man. I think he's uh, – I think he he's had a dope career, man. I think his impact alone, especially on his community and for like the smaller school guys, you know, what I mean, he's definitely one of the small school um, success stories, you know, coming from uh, Stanford sure. at least. Go ahead, JT. Man, no, no, I, I was I wasn't gonna say anything. Yeah. I was just I was actually gonna say you keep you kept saying you, you said that. Uh, what'd you say, Stanford or the East? You yeah, kept, you know, about to slide that yeah. in, like you know, he's about to slide that in. But <laughs> nah, I wasn't gonna say anything else. I think uh, his his walk off in Toronto might be one of the coldest moments. I ain't oh, gonna yeah. like that. To me, that's one of the dopest moments in NBA history. Like <laughs> the walk off in Toronto and the night and the and the Lakers game at the Garden. Yeah, like that. That shit was. Yeah, no, nah, that was that, that was, was tough. Because like, anytime you get Kobe to either directly or indirectly acknowledge you, you know, what I'm saying as an unknown basketball player, I think you, you know you're definitely you're definitely doing something, man. So, but uh, and to wrap up, we got uh we got paycheck, rain check. Somebody's paycheck is taking a rain check, and uh, the focus of today's episode is Tyler Hero just signed a four year extension, a hundred thirty. 130 million. Um, so, question the question surrounding this event is uh, as Tyler was heading into his uh, uh, his contract year is like what you know Ian at the at the NBA level what is what does that pressure of a contract year feel like you know especially you know especially being being so young and you know and even in your situation just you know signing one year deals outside of that two year deal with a uh, with Utah like. What was that pressure like for you having, okay, you reached your dream and now you got to, I got to prove myself again. I got to prove myself again. And then not knowing what your role going to be. Man. So speak to that pressure of the contract year, man. I think, you know, as overseas players, we deal with it damn near every year. But uh, I think on the NBA level, man, there's a lot more that goes into yeah. it. Man, and I can speak at it from both sides, man. I feel like I'm I'm kind of like the the European when I, every year was contract year for me. You know what I mean? Trying to fight and stick but also fight and, and show that you can actually produce. And so, man, coming, like, I feel like, you know, for some guys it was, you could see it the way they play. Every shot mattered for them. Or if they did, they was looking at more so numbers and percentages. Like, man, I got to shoot over X amount of percentages from three to get my bonus or to get, you know what I mean? Like, little stuff like that. And I try not to put too much pressure on myself in that sense. I feel like if I'm playing well, somebody gonna somebody gonna see it. And whether it's not this team, it's gonna be another team that'll that'll give me an opportunity and give me a contract. But I mean, it's it's nowadays I feel like it's tough, especially for the younger guys, man, because you are comparing yourself to your peers. Like whoever is getting, if he got 120, I know I did this. Like I'm, I should be getting this, and it becomes a bit more. And I think that. It's not being left up to an agent as 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 it was before. Now I feel like you know, player. It's more of a players' league now. Guys are more hands on about you know, saying what they want and where they want to play and who they want to play with. And so, uh, it's it's tough because you you want to play well, you want to get your bread, but like I, I feel like we go back to that 
the thing we said at the beginning of the show is like you got to be real with yourself as well. Like, what am I really worth? You see a lot of guys that then passed on a lot of bread <laughs> that because they thought they were better or they thought they deserved more and end up not getting even anything close to that the next year. You know what I mean? So it's like being able to be, be to be real with yourself. But I mean, if you guys like Tyler Hero, man, I'm happy for him. You put in the work. We saw what he did at a young age in the NBA Finals, and so being able to reap the benefits from that, like, you know, people say he's overpaid or whatever the case may be. I'm glad he got his bread because it shows the value of the work that he put in. So uh, it's definitely one of those things where if you got it, it's depending on your, to me, it depends on your perspective and your mindset and how you're looking at it. You can let it make you play worse or you can let it elevate you or you can just say, man, whatever I get, if this this number that I'm getting, if I get more than this, it's a bonus. If not, then, you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. So, for me, it was every year was contract year, so I'm on the flip side of it. I never, I wouldn't, I didn't get a chance to get the three, four year deals where, you know, you you locked in, you feel like the team is committed to you. You you can still get traded. Don't get me wrong, but when somebody say they're giving you X amount of money, but they you look at the number of years, man, you feel like they committed to you. Now you feel more, you know, at home and you feel more stable and you can play better basketball in that environment because you know that you have. You know, you got the the team or committee behind you. So, man, that's my that's my perspective from it, and it's 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 tough. <laughs> it's tough playing coming this year because it's like everything is magnified. You know, some things are out of your control. What if coach pull you? Like now you don't get now your numbers ain't where you need them to be, and now you can't have that negotiating power coming into the off season. Uh, you know, saying to get your money or get your years or whatever the case may be. So. Mm-hmm. Shoot, I think I think the one year deal. The one thing about the one year deals is you you get comfortable being uncomfortable real fast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I mean that's like whatever whatever plays out from that. Obviously, we all want you know the three year. You know, if you're in the NBA, you want three years, thirty or three years, fifty, whatever it may be. And if you're overseas, you want the three year for two point nine or two point whatever it is. But it's like you know, I think there's there's a value in being comfortable when you're comfortable being uncomfortable moving forward in life. Like, I think that might be one of the best lessons you can learn because you just learn to operate in a space where it's like, you know, you you don't, I don't want to say you don't give a damn or you learn to care less, which I think is a, is a problem. It's like that Wale soundtrack when you're talking about indifference. He has a Seinfeld bar talking about, uh, talking about indifference is attractive. When you care less, people are more attracted to you (laughs) like that. And you know, someone who else like Diana Taurasi talks about it all the time. Like she don't give a damn, like you have to care less. Um, so I think you, you develop that a little bit um, in being on those one-year deals, especially regardless of the outcome. So I think there's power in that for sure. Yeah, no, nah, I feel you, man. I think with the yeah. with contract gears in general, man, like you, you feel the pressure, but you know you can't let the pressure um, uh, overcome your, uh, your performance. And I think that uh, one of the important things, man, is just – if you don't like your situation, man, just find a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, whether, you know, I'm on a team and I feel like, oh, I should be getting, you know, more time or whatever it is. Like, I, you, sometimes you just got to think about it like, okay, if you was Kevin Durant, there's no way he wouldn't play you because your skill would be at a different level. So there's something else that you're not providing. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, you mm-hmm. just have to really just be realistic mm-hmm. and then just just find a way on the floor. Like you said, do the little things. Just find a way on the floor, then get back to doing what you want to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> just find your way on that court, man, and give yourself a chance to, to improve your situation, man. I think is is the best mentality. 
It's crazy. Man, my um, shout out to Ronnie Price, man, OG Vic. I remember my rookie year in Utah, we was in training camp. And was, I think it was like, you know, the weeks leading up before training camp where the team come in probably Monday through Thursday and y'all just like work out and y'all probably who and then they give you the weekends off. And he came in and worked out with us. <clears throat> and we played open gym one time, man. I think we we played to like, you know, seven by ones. And I think I scored like five or six points like on our team. And I don't know, I can't remember we won or lost, but I remember going to the locker room and he said, he asked me my name, sat by me and talked to me. It was my first time talking to him. And he was like, hey, man. He's like, man, I see that you've been scored. He's like, one thing about this league, I'm going to tell you, young fella, is come in and be who you are. He said, because they'll change you fast. You know what I mean? And then you, you're, and once they change you, you're always going to be that person from the, for the rest of your career. So wherever you want to be, put that, make sure that's on the forefront. Now, you can always alter, and, but, like, you know what I mean? And when he told me that, man, it made it kind of made sense. Like you said, man, getting on the floor. It's like, I know I can score, so do I hinder that to get on the floor? You know what I mean? Like, I, like I saw a lot of guys that come out, thought they needed to, I'm going to be who I am, and if they don't like me, they don't like me kind of thing. And it's like, you can have that mindset, and that's fine. Like, some guys go with that mindset and have great careers. And it's like, but for me, like, it was like, okay, I know I can score, but, like, I'm on the court with – I'm an undrafted guy. I'm on the court with Gordon Hayward, and Trey Burke was a top-10 pick, and Rudy Gobert was the first-round pick. And you know what I mean? Like, you ain't going to get that many opportunities to show you can score in the real game. Now, you can show it out here, but I wanted them to know that I can do that and then find – like you said, man, find ways to get on the floor. So what, what ways that could I find to get on the floor? And I feel like – that was kind of my mindset um, when I first came out, and I think that man, that that plays dividends to, to to guys like growing their game, and I feel like it helped me grow my game to know that like, all right, man, I had to be coming to Belmont like I was a, I was a two guard. Now I had to learn how to be a point guard. So maybe in my mindset, like that was probably why I went on the floor a lot because I was an undersized two man. They're not looking at me to score like that. They're looking at me to probably be the point and come run the team. Well, I had to learn how to do that. And that's something that I, like, developed over my career to learn how to be a combo guard. I'm not a pure point guard, but I know how to run the offense. I know the pace now. You know what I mean? Like, little stuff like that helped me kind of stay on the floor. Hell, yeah. Hey, man, that's a a lot of free game. That's a lot of knowledge that you're dropping over there, man. Both y'all, both y'all fine gentlemen. Uh, That is, we appreciate you joining us, man. That's all we got for you. Uh, We appreciate you pulling up. We definitely going to have to have you back. I am Jordan Taylor. That's Anthony Goods, and that is the champ, six-year NBA vet, Ian Clark, man, and we're going to catch you all next time. Appreciate y'all.